This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not Ryan. I can't do it. I don't have the lung capacity and I don't want to do it because this is a special Parasol podcast. This is a Helium Boys takeover. I got a special guest in my fellow Helium Boy, Shotgun Spratling. Shotgun, get in here. What's up, Chris? It's good to hear your voice. I got to see you on uh, the the video on Sunday, but we haven't actually had a podcast or done anything together in a while, uh, so it's good to good to jump on here and you know kick the boss out of out of the uh, office for once. Yeah, the warden is gone. The inmates are going to run the asylum today. It is a Helium Boys takeover, and if you're not familiar with the Helium Boys, is me and Shotgun. We were on this small little ragtag indie pod called Family Feud. Uh, with Keely Yor, who's off at USC doing great things, but that that podcast ended. But we were officially known as the Helium Boys to each other. Uh, we get asked a lot, like, what does it mean? What is it from? I I I was thinking about this on the drive because I knew I was gonna have to talk about it because some people are not <laughs> familiar with the Helium Boys. But I believe it's just because we would gas each other up. Helium is a gas, right? It is indeed. So I think that's what it came from. We were just like gassing each other up. Prior to recording on Zoom back in 2020, we were just like waiting for Keeley and we would just like go back and forth, gas each other up. And I think that's kind of where it started. I don't know if that's your recollection, Shotgun, but that's what I think is the answer is because I have forgotten the answer sometimes. Yeah, I just like how you tried to remember it each time. And it's kind of a little bit different each time that you try to remember it. But but that's pretty much it. Absolutely. So we're taking over today. It's going to be a fun episode. We got some recruiting, we got some baseball, we got some questions because we know Shotgun loves doing questions off Twitter. So we got some of those to, to get through. But before we get started, obviously, we need to thank our sponsor. No, not a fake corporate sponsor, Shotgun. I know you're, you're whoa, giving whoa, flashbacks. Whoa, whoa. No, real, no real, spon- real sponsors. What is real, this? Real corporate sponsor, uh, Trader Joe's. Thank you so much for the support that you give the Peristyle Podcast. And Obviously, we're big TJ fans. Um, it's obviously summer. I know there's a heat wave coming. So, you know, for me, I got to go to Trader Joe's, stock up on some of those uh, fruit bars. Shotgun, I'm a big popsicle guy in in the summer. I don't know what your thoughts are on popsicles, but the fruit bars at Trader Joe's, you know, it's like strawberry, mango, pineapple. That's just it's just a explosion of summer flavor. Well, see, I tried to give up desserts for this year. That was my New Year's resolution. So I don't know how, where fruit bars would fall on whether it's dessert or it's fruit, baby. If it's fruit. You know, it depends on how much sugar content's in there. But you know, speaking of Trader Joe's, I don't know if you saw this, Chris. Did you see the the, the LA Times article that kind of compared the prices at, at different stores? And Trader Joe's, I think they did like 15 different items, just common items. You know, eggs, bananas, that type of thing. And Trader Joe's was like $10 cheaper than everybody else and like $20 or $30 cheaper than some other grocery stores. So this is a completely unsolicited, uh, you know, to let you know that Trader Joe's also has some of the cheapest prices out there as well, as well as some of those specialty items that are really good, too. Absolutely. So go into Trader Joe's, save a butt ton of money, get yourself some fruit bars and, you know, enjoy it on a hot summer day. So thank you to Trader Joe's. Thank you for sponsoring the Helium Boys if they knew, in fact, that this was a Helium Boys podcast, they would have probably pulled the sponsorship. But it's okay. They don't know. <laughs> We're taking over. 
uh, shotgun. So let's get into a Helium Boys reunion. Obviously, some big news hit yesterday. USC has taken a couple L's on the recruiting trail this month in terms of offensive line recruiting with Lucas Simmons going to Florida State and Francis Mauioga, their number one prospect on their board for 2023, going to Miami. So a couple L's uh, this July, but USC got a big, big win uh, on Monday. Tackett Curtis, four-star linebacker out of Manny, Louisiana, uh, number 87 overall, I believe, in the 24-7 sports composite, number five linebacker. He chose the Trojans over Wisconsin and Ohio State. So this is a Big Ten guy. This is a Big Ten linebacker. Going to play in the Pac-12 for like two seasons, and then he's headed off to the Big Ten, where he is a Big Ten prototypical linebacker. Shotgun, you know, reaction to this, which is a massive, massive win for linebackers coach Brian Odom. Alex Grinch, and obviously Lincoln Riley. Yeah, you say he's a Big Ten linebacker, and you say he's going to leave in two years. You better, you better clarify there that you mean when USC goes to the Big Ten, because otherwise with the transfer portal, you're going to have people thinking that, hey, he's planning to come for a couple of years and leave and go elsewhere. But this is actually a kid in SEC territory. Um, and you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust your pronunciation, because I believe you, you talked with the, the Tackett uh, and his family um, throughout this process, and you know, I've been kind of keyed in on the recruiting process there. But I'm going to trust your pronunciation that it's Manny. Um, you know, it's pronou- I mean, it's spelled M-A-N-Y, but you know, down in, in Creole country, it's probably something like Manny. Manny, I live all, Manny? Out, there, out there in Manny, you know, where they grow them linebackers like Tackett Curtis. Um, but you know, he's a, if you watch his film, downhill guy, you know, brings the pain, the type of linebacker that USC has been struggling to recruit in the in the past. Um, and, you know, have, have those guys progress and become the next, you know, next version of the Ray, uh, Ray Malugas and uh, the Brian Cushings and everyone talks about that class. But, you know, can they find someone to be that guy? They just haven't had that with, with Pali and Itiote being the last five-star that just didn't really work out for USC. So, can Tackett Curtis become that next true star linebacker for USC? That's going to be the big question. But you mentioned Brian Odom. I think he deserves so much credit for this one because I don't know how many times that the the, the coaches at Tackett Curtis's high school tweeted out about Brian Odom being in town to see him. Every open opportunity, every uh, open period for recruiting – the first day, it seemed like he was flying out to L- to to the other LA to Louisiana to get out to see Tackett Curtis and let him know how important he was in the, the recruiting class for Brian Odom. And you know, I think that paid off. You know, a lot of people looked at it and said Ohio State looked like the leader, but I think the persistence of Brian Odom played a big part in, in this commitment right here. And again, like you said, it's huge for. You know, for USC's recruiting efforts right now because of the kind of the how the recruiting momentum had stalled out so much. So you know they had come off that that big weekend and leading up to that big weekend, they got a couple commits from the previous weekend, which Tackett Curtis was a part of, where USC has now gone four for four on that previous weekend to the big weekend. But the big weekend didn't produce quite the results that a lot of people were expecting. So since that big weekend, you kind of have stalled out in the momentum department. But this one kind of gets things rolling a little bit, gets the train back on its tracks as USC tries to build this class. Absolutely. And just to jump on what you said about Brian Odom, you know, absolutely deserves an amazing amount of credit for the kind of effort that he put in. You know, this was his guy. Like, this was the guy, you know, he's waking up. Looking at the ceiling, there's probably a picture of Tackett Curtis. Like, this is the guy I got to get. I got to get. And it was interesting because USC was clearly sort of going all in for Tackett Curtis in the sense it's like, this is like a number two or number three guy on our board. We need to get him. He is the guy we're going to build around for defense. And they weren't even really recruiting any other linebacker because they knew we have to get Tackett Curtis. That That's kind of the, the, the vibe I got because, you know, there's guys like, you know, Isaiah Chisholm that they've been sort of recruiting lightly. And then Victory Johnson has been the campus a couple of times. But Anthony Hill, obviously the number one linebacker in the country, that was more like a traction visit when they got him on for that big uh, official visit weekend. They got him on official visit. But for the most part, it was Tackett Curtis or Bus in terms of getting a blue chip guy. And, you know, maybe down the line. They'll be able to recruit and get a guy like the number one overall linebacker. But Tackett Curtis is a perfect fit 
for what they want to do in this Grinch scheme. And Brian Ohm, like you said, was just every time he had the opportunity. I'm not surprised he didn't have a, a timeshare out there in Louisiana or something, <laughs> an extended stay at the Hampton or something. He because he was living out there when he could to you know put the pressure, put the put the persistence on for for this guy TC. And Shaka, my only last question about this is, you know, are you a gumbo guy? I'm not a gumbo guy. It's um, unfortunate. Because there's some stuff in there that I don't really eat, so, you know, I don't want to waste. So, you know, I, I love the idea of gumbo. If I make my own, I think that would be great. But, you know, there's some ingredients, uh, you know, I don't I do not do the mirepoix. I don't do the, the trinity. So, you know, I, I don't do onions or celery. So it makes it a little bit more difficult when, you, when you're doing the, the gumbo. So I stick to, you know, there's so much good food down in New Orleans, down in Louisiana, that, you know, if you don't have some gumbo, it's fine. You can, you know, there's plenty of other options as well that are really good. And Shotgun, I just decided right now that I'm just going to throw random take it or leave it at you throughout this entire episode. <laughs> No fake corporate sponsor because we have a real sponsor. So thank you, Trader Joe's, for sponsoring this impromptu take it or leave it. But shotgun, take it or leave it. Tackett Curtis, the most important recruit Lincoln Riley has got on board since he's arrived at USC. I don't and it's that's a tough one to say. I mean, I think it's it's easy to say if you look at it uh, from the fact that if you take out those guys, he just flipped over. You know, if you take out Malachi Nelson, I think that then that makes Tackett Curtis obviously, you know, much more valuable uh, in, in this sense, because Malachi Nelson, I think, is still, the, you know, the five star quarterback and that's top five in the country. The fact that he's the one recruiting everybody else in this recruiting class. I think that makes him more important. But um, after that, if you take away those those three five star guys that USC has picked up, um, you know, they flipped over basically from Oklahoma and getting Zachariah Branch to follow his brother. You know, all those are important. Uh, but linebacker is a huge position of need at USC. You know, just looking at what what is on, on the roster right now at the inside linebacker position, the fact that he could come in and potentially play behind Shane Lee for a year and learn from Shane Lee. Now, that's if Shane Lee sticks around for another year. I think he does have another year of eligibility, if I remember correctly. But if he's able to learn from a guy like that, I think that'd be huge for him. But there's just no one proven on this roster outside of what Shane Lee did his freshman year um, at, at Alabama. So Raylan Goforth has shown some flashes, and maybe he becomes a guy this year. But the rest of the group of those inside linebackers is just, you know, no one's really done anything in college so far. Um, so you got Chris Thompson has shifted to the inside linebacker position. You bring it, you got Julian Simon, who we think can be a guy, but just hasn't kind of figured it out yet in his first year last year. Tabarachi from, from Utah coming in. You know, what will USC get out of him? But that means there's opportunities. When Taggart Curtis comes in, you know, there's going to be opportunities for him to get on the field possibly immediately. And I think he's a guy that, you know, if he is the right size when he arrives at campus, then he could potentially be good enough to do that. And are you factoring the transfer portal as well? I'm not factoring in the transfer portal yet um, because I it's just so difficult to see. And I, I think that it will depend on what USC sees from the rest of those inside linebackers behind the two starters as to what they decide okay, th these are the guys that we're going to, uh, you know, these are the guys that we can roll with. Uh, these are the guys that we trust, and we think these guys are, are going to be dudes, so we don't need to go in the transfer portal. You know, can Rajon Davis become that guy? Now, he, you know, he's playing outside. Is he going to be an inside? You know, they can move him around, but can he become a dude? And what are they getting from Ari Gentry? I mean, there's a lot of question marks with that linebacker group. There have been for a few years now. Uh, so I, I think that – it makes it hard to know whether USC is going to look and say, we got to go find another guy. We got to find another guy. But as of right now, I think Tackett Curtis could come in and, and still have, have a potential as a freshman to start uh, with where the roster is right now or not, Absolutely. not start, excuse me, but to come in and get some opportunities. Right. And just looking at that, I know you, you just mentioned, you know, not a lot of proven ability, but depending on how this season goes, you know, next year could be a stacked, group assuming you know eric gentry you know builds off that freshman all-american season has a really good year this season or if uh carson tabarucci you know he's able to contribute or if rajon davis makes that jump or even raylon uh, raylon go forth as you say you know maybe the competition with gentry and dejan uh, rajon in the background you know they push him to another level with shane lee so possibly if all those guys or two of those guys step up this season you know, you're looking at possibly for 2023, you know, you got Tackett Curtis, you got Eric Gentry, you got 
possibly Raylan Goforth coming back for another season, Rajon Davis, Julian, uh, Julian Simon. That's a really stacked athletic clash right there you can build on for 2023. I still think they'll get one more linebacker in this clash just for depth purposes. I don't think it's going to be someone as blue chip as Tackett Curtis, but I think there's a, a couple local guys you can look at, like a David Peavy. But 2023, you could have a really nice group there, a young, talented, athletic group. And like I said, based on what happens in 2022, there could be some experience to help uh, balance out that group that has a lot of youth. Yeah, and we're high on Tackett Curtis, and we think he he can come in and be an immediate impact type of guy, whether it be on special teams or as a reserve. But I do want to caution, you know, you look at his national rank, and it's not that much higher than a guy like uh, Julian Simon, and it's actually lower than Rajon Davis. So, you know, both those guys last year came in, and we expected, hey, maybe they could jump in because there weren't those solidified guys, you know, that had really proven themselves a linebacker, and neither one of those guys broke in the rotation. So we'll see what Tack Curtis can do when he gets on campus as well. Tack, can I hear that uh, Louisiana accent one more time before we uh, move on? Going on down to, to Manny, Manny, and get some get some gumbo down to Manny. Uh, it's beautiful. I, uh, I, I, that I, wasn't I, a very good one, but I, you know, whatever. I, I turned the the camera off, and I just was like, "Where's Shotgun go?" I'm just talking to this <laughs> Louisiana guy that just, just guess. It, it was incredible. It's incredible. Um, okay, so Shotgun, I'm gonna let you choose. Do you want to talk about baseball right now, or do you want to save questions for the end and end on baseball? Choose your destiny. Hey, this is your podcast, Chris. I'm just guest, guest, uh, you know, making a guest appearance here. So I'm gonna leave it to you. Uh, you know, obviously, a lot of things are going on with baseball right now. The MLB draft is going on uh, currently, so we can talk there, or we can, you know, jump into questions. We can do whatever, whatever floats your fancy. We like to end on questions, so I think we're gonna go to baseball. And you kind of like baited me right there with a little bit, already bringing it <laughs> out. But yes, the MLB draft is going on right now. USC has a new baseball coach. A couple guys got drafted, I believe, shotgun. I saw those stories up on USCfootball.com, so you can get a lot more information about uh, the Trojans that are headed to the MLB that had their, you know, their dreams come true getting drafted. I know that's a big deal, obviously, for any uh, college kid going to the to the to the pros. Uh, shotgun, tell me a little bit more about these draft picks that are cut off the board and your thoughts so far about the MLB draft. Well, first thing we should note that USC did not have a first round draft pick once again. And USC has not had a first round draft pick since 2009. And that is part of the reason why they have struggled. They have not been able to develop players into the talent uh, to into that first round talent like the, they were able to in the previous years when they were so good. And it's not that they're not getting recruits. You know, I, I mentioned this on the live show the other night. A lot of people say, well, it's just because of the tuition cost. They can't ever get any recruits. They should just get rid of the program altogether. They are getting guys that were being looked at as first and second round draft picks and have set, told teams, hey, no thanks, I'm going to go to college, and they're just not developing into that. So you're seeing some of those guys, Kyle Hurt, um, uh, I think it was last year, was drafted in the fifth round. He's a guy coming out of high school, would have been in the top three rounds, but decided he wanted to go to USC, wanted to try to improve his stock, and just didn't happen at USC. So that's the first thing to note is that USC did not have a first-round pick once again. They didn't have a second, third, or fourth round pick either, but DeAndre Smith goes off the board in the fifth round. He's the first pick for USC this season. Same as last year where Kyle Hurt, or excuse me, two years ago, Kyle Hurt was the fifth round pick as well for USC. Uh, Last year, their first pick was in the ninth round. DeAndre Smith is only a sophomore. And this is part of the, you know, the college baseball draft is, is, you know, is, is, or excuse me, the MLB draft is a little different. You can draft guys out of high school. Or they have to be three years removed from high school normally unless they have turned 21 at the time of the draft. And that is the case for DeAndre Smith and Matt Keating. Both of their two draft picks are guys that are only have only played two years of college ball, but they're both 21 years old, so they were eligible for the draft. Could they both could they come back to USC? It's unlikely. You know, when you get when you get drafted in the top ten rounds, since they've changed the draft in 2012, they changed it to the current system where each uh, position in the top ten rounds is slotted. You know, almost every single player signs because the teams call up and say, "Hey, we're going to give you this much, whether it's overslot or underslot," and they say, "Yeah, I'll take that." And then they say, "Okay, we're going to draft you." That's normally the case. 
every once in a while there's you know there's a handful of guys each season three four guys that don't sign but expect both of these guys to sign both of these guys were actually in the transfer portal now matt keating had already committed to north carolina as a backup plan but he gets drafted in the top 10 rounds so he's going to sign so he want you want to worry about seeing a former usc player in that north carolina baby blue next season in that case but both these guys are going to New York teams. DeAndre Smith gets drafted by the New York Mets. Matt Keating gets drafted by the Yankees. There is a connection there with both of those, which is kind of interesting. The Mets have taken a couple of USC commits in the past, including Dom Smith, who's with the Mets, one of their, their starting outfielders. Uh, you know, he was a USC commit and a guy that were hoping to get to campus, didn't make it, went in the top 15 picks. He's you know made his way to the bigs. So the Mets have, have come to Southern California and gotten some players before. The Yankees actually have a connection with USC. Their director of scouting is Damon Oppenheimer, who is a former USC player, and his son David Oppenheimer played at USC um, in 2016 and 2017, or 2015 and 2016. So USC has actually had, you know, because Damon now is suddenly watching USC a lot more when his son is playing, uh, even though they are his alma mater, you pay a lot more attention when your kid's there. But USC has, I believe, had six or seven guys that have been drafted by the Yankees since his son was, had committed in 2015 or 2014, excuse me. So in the last five or six or six or seven drafts, USC has had you know six uh, guys get selected by the Yankees, which is a little bit high for for uh, an individual team. But that's because there's a little bit of connection there. You see those players more and more. So you know there's a Trojan connection there as well with the Yankees. And they picked last year in the ninth round. They also selected a USC pitcher, Chandler. Champlain there so that's the that's the uh the draft picks USC may have a couple more players go off the board today on Tuesday it's the final day of the draft it's the MLB draft is a three-day event first two rounds the first day rounds three through ten the second day and then rounds 11 through 20 the, the third day 11 through 20 most of the time, you know, these are the guys where teams the teams might reach out and try to go after a guy and not sure if they're going to sign. So some of these guys will sign. Not everyone necessarily will. It'll be interesting to see which USC players come off the board. There are still some players that are in the transfer portal that the current staff is trying to get to come back to USC. Uh, there's a couple players that already went to the transfer portal have, that have committed elsewhere, like Keating had. USC's lost Garrett Gillamette, the catcher, their starting catcher, to Texas. They lost uh, their best starting pitcher this this season, Charlie Hurley, to Texas as well. And they also lost one of their top relievers outside of Keating, Carson Lambert, to Texas A&M. So they've lost three important pieces for them. They did pick up a transfer in Connor Cliff. from He's a catcher from Cal Baptist who played against Andy Stankowitz, the new head coach in the WAC. So they, they're starting to pick some pieces up. They got their first commitment um, a, a couple of days back from from Caden Aoki, who is you know was a was a pitcher at Notre Dame, a kid from Huntington Beach. So he's the first player that w- was committed to USC. And wrote a story about that and how he was excited to be the first player, and they wanted him to be the first commit uh, in this new regime. So. The USC coaches are out. They're really mining the transfer portal right now and also going over the film of all the players that have been committed. USC lost uh, two commitments yesterday, actually, on Monday as twins Jordan and uh, Jalen Lewis, I believe it is, both decommitted from USC. Two really athletic guys from NorCal. But I don't, I don't know which side decided it was best for this move to happen or if it's a mutual decision. But USC is, you know, did lose a couple commits there. So the coaching staff is going through and determining if they want to keep the players that have been committed already or if they want to search out for other guys. So a lot of stuff going on right now. Now to the big picture. Andy Stankowitz hired as USC's head coach from Grand Canyon. He comes with a bevy of experience you know he's from Inglewood originally um, grew up and, and, and played in his high school ball down there he played uh, at Pepperdine in college was a star at Pepperdine was drafted by the Yankees was drafted actually three times in, in his in his career um, and signed with the Yankees with uh, the last ones drafted him after his senior year at Pepperdine played in the major leagues for six or seven years bounced around a couple different teams you know he famously I uh, got replaced by this other shortstop with the Yankees named um, Chris. You ever heard of any shortstops from the Yankees? Um, Derek Smeeter. 
Yeah, something like that. Something yeah. like that. Something yeah. like that. Derek Jeter, Andy Stankiewicz was replaced by Derek Jeter, so uh, you know, unfortunate for him. But you see what led to to the uh, new series on ESPN, The Captain, which is uh, playing. Uh, but Andy Stankiewicz bounced around a little bit. Then he went into coaching. He's coached some in college. And then he moved to the, or he coached some in the professional ranks. He bounced back to college. Then he eventually went to, was going to go back to the professional ranks. You know, uh, coaching both minor leagues and college gives him that experience in the background. Eventually, he takes the job at Grand Canyon and basically built that program from nothing. They were a D2 program, had had some success way back in the days, but had been really bad right when he was taken over. And within two years, he had them in the, the Division II college world series and they they make the transition to d1 so four years where he can't the, his players can't play um in in any ncaa tournament games they can't play even in their conference tournament games you're not allowed to to be in the postseason when you transition and yet he continued to get really good players you know stacked really good talented players and then when they were able to finally be eligible to play you know they've been a big contender in the in the whack for the last few years. Um, so, you know, he really built that program up and, you know, they've got a kid this year at, at Grand Canyon that will be next year. will could be the top college player, which shows he knows how to identify talent and then develop it. Jacob Wilson will be one of the top college players selected next year in the MLB draft when he is eligible. He could have been the top one or he could still be the top one, but he's the type of player that Andy Stankowitz has been able to find and develop. So we'll see what he can do at USC. I think he's a really good hire for USC. Everyone, you know, I, I did a story on uscfootball.com asking basically every coach in the West, every head coach um, reached out uh, and several assistant coaches and asking, what do you think of the hire? What, is, what does this mean for USC? And just so many responses just talking about how great of a guy Andy Stankowitz is and that they think this is a really good fit and that USC could be really good going forward and that he can build something here even with the challenges that USC has. So uh, I think that really tells you when your peers, the people that, you know, these, these were not, these were anonymous. So I, I asked them, I want a true, honest statement. Um, and, some, and coaches will, you know, are often quick to give you are quick to give you honesty when they, they have an anonymity and you know, the coaches were, you know, almost every single person just, you know, lit up talking about any stank was basically. So um, I, I think that tells you a lot about him as a person and also what can become of this program going forward. Uh, USC missed out on a couple of their targets, but I think this could still be a really good hire for them. And he's the guy that really built his resume the most since this high, since USC hired Jason Gill three years ago when Stankowitz was also in the mix there. Uh, so I think he really showed what he could do the last couple of years, taking Grand Canyon to their first ever po- NCAA postseason or NCAA Division One postseason tournament uh, two years ago. And then this past year, Getting a, winning an at lar- or earning an at large bid from the NCAA selection committee, the first WAC team to do that in more than a decade, which shows you know what he was able to do. They beat a bunch of really good teams, top ten teams, top fifteen teams throughout the season, and showed that they were uh, a team that deserved to be in the field. And so now he's got his work cut out for, at USC, and you know it starts with all those things surrounding the draft and all those players trying to build the roster because he takes over a roster, and like I said, they they got a transfer. Co- commit from a catcher he took over a roster where there was one freshman catcher that had like four bats remaining on the roster and, you know, another three catchers i believe are in the transfer portal so there's a lot of work that has to be done and the first thing that he told me they had to do is try to talk those guys that have entered the transfer portal into coming back and try to build the roster from there so that's your baseball 10 minutes or so um for you there chris incredible timing i just sat down i ran up to trader joe's got some self myself some fruit bars <laughs> shotgun thank you for that breakdown that uh i caught every word of it yeah uh-huh i see I, I, if you can if you can't tell shotgun that's two months of shotgun wanting to talk about baseball on some sort of format and i just you just went with it that's a classic shoddy <laughs> rant where i can just sit back and 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 listen and stroke my beard and just listen to him uh, wax poetic on baseball or basketball or whatever. Well, I didn't know if you had any questions there, Chris. I just wanted to get to all the the, the primary points. Obviously, it's it's going to be an interesting off season for USC baseball and what they can do next year. 
we've seen teams in the College World Series this year with brand-new head coaches. Jim Sloshnagel went from TCU to Texas A&M, took over a team that didn't have a very good roster, but some key transfers turned them around. They went to the College World Series this year. So I don't know if that's in the cards for USC because there are some deficiencies on that roster, especially with the pitching, uh, but it's going to take some work to, to get that turned around. And they, got, they made an interesting um, pitching coach hire, bringing in Seth Etherton, who's been in the minor leagues, uh, coaching for the last seven years or six or seven years with the Reds organization after a 15-year professional career, former USC three-time All-American. So, you know, obviously he, he knows how to pitch. And a guy that didn't have overpowering stuff in college but knew how to pitch and knew how to, to work things. So it'll be interesting to see what Etherton can do at USC to build the pitching staff because that's where they've really struggled recently. A couple of take it or leave it's and a couple of just random follow-up questions. Take it or leave it. The MLB draft needs to be shorter, less rounds. The MLB draft does not need to be shorter, um, but the MLB draft is half of what it was three years ago. The MLB draft used to be 40 rounds, but they cut it down for the pandemic. They cut it down to just five rounds, uh, which has really kind of thrown things off a lot. Now it is 20 rounds. They collectively bargained on this with the Players Association at the same time as them eliminating some minor league teams. So they're doing some different things with it. But 20 rounds, there's a ton of player, a ton of really good players out there. So you get 20 rounds for – I mean, you're getting 20 play, new players each year. But that's not just for a big league club because it takes a couple years for most guys to get up to the big leagues. That's for your big league club, your triple-A, your double-A, your three or four um, single-A teams that you have so and your rookie league teams. So there's multiple – those players are for multiple teams, so 20 rounds it actually isn't that much when you think about it that way. Uh, number two, take it or leave it. So you're up to two leave it's, I believe. Take it or leave it. Uh, UC baseball has a winning record next season. Ooh, that one's gonna be tough. Uh, you know, I, th- I'm gonna pause that one. And it's not. I know. Of but, the- but can I pause that one until the fall? Because it's just you're hard to know. It. It's hard to know where this roster will be at in you know in in a month or in two months when they start camp when they get on campus and stuff that'll tell you a lot more when they get to to august and when they get uh you know when they get rolling in you know september when they start fall practices and all that type stuff is what does the roster look like there because usc made a late hire in this in this sequence of of coaching hires and fires the coaching carousel that went on usc waited until basically july i think it was july 3rd when it was announced so because of that that makes it that much more difficult to bring in a a ton of key um transfers and stuff and just because you know it takes that much more time to get to know all the commits and all those type things get to know your players so you know i think it's going to be tough for them to do that so i'm going to leave that for now but we'll see where they are in uh you know in in a in a month or two Coach Stankowicz, does anyone call him Coach Stank? Um, you know, he goes by his number a lot, which is 19. That's what a lot of his players call him. So they uh, say Coach 19 or just say 19? They say 19. 1-9. One 1-9, nine. One nine, yep. Um, you know, Stanky was his, oh. I believe, his nickname as a player, so it goes with that. Stank or Andy. You know, I think it's kind of – he kind of goes by whatever. What do you call him? Uh, Stankowicz, Stank, Stanky, Andy. Whatever, whatever seems appropriate for the situation. Stanky's a great nickname, and I and stand by that. Probably Andy most frequently. Okay. Uh, my last question to that uh, diatribe is, who is Derek Jeter? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know. I know that's your favorite pitcher. Okay, let's move on uh, to the All-Star game. That is in town. I know you wanted to talk about that a little bit. Uh, the All-Star game is tonight, right? It is tonight, indeed. It is is tonight. Um, I, I think the interesting thing is, you know, where are the USC players? You know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you know, you would have consistent USC players in an all-star game, and that's pretty been pretty thin um, to see any USC players being represented, especially with the game being in L.A. You would love to see a number of USC players uh, participating in, in the all-star game, but that's just not the case. And I think that, again, shows – 
the lack of development at USC and finding those players um, and, and consistently building up players over and over and building a program where the best players want to come and decide to come to college and pass up on the MLB draft and get developed at your school and then go forward. You know, there's a couple players that have been um, have been all stars in the past. Uh, you know, Brad Boxberger was a was a was a all-star as a closer a couple of years back with the Miami Marlins, I believe. So there have been a couple of guys that have been there, but it's just not that been that consistent thing. And, you know, especially with the game being in LA this year, this would have been a great opportunity to, for the USC coaches to be able to point out, Hey, there's this guy, there's this guy, the Mark McGuire's, the Randy Johnson, you know, the Fred Lenz, the top Seavers, the, the all-time greats from USC, where are those guys? Those guys were in all-star games all the time. USC hasn't had those type of talented players recently. Take it or leave it. The home run derby needs to go to pitching machines. <laughs> um, leave it. I don't know that I'm a huge fan of the current uh, current um, format, format, but it. I think it is more exciting than ten swings. But I think ten swings is more accurate. So it depends on what you're going for there. And uh, who would you bring out as your pitcher? I think I want somebody who's actually going to pitch it where I know it's going to put it where I want to be swinging at. You know, some you're bringing out your high school coach or whatever and you're doing them. a. You know, I think those are all cool stories. You know, your brother's coming out. <laughs> but it wants to win this thing. Exactly. It's a million bucks, right? And if you're Julio Rodriguez and you're not getting paid a million dollars, you know, your contract, that's what you get as a rookie. You know, you're not getting a million dollars. You want to win that thing. Uh, and, you know, if you're Ronald Acuna, you know, you want to perform better, especially when you're going up against a rival in Pete Alonso. And he was getting very bad pitches up there, especially did not, you know, as a Braves fan, I was not very happy with, with the pitches he was getting. And how do you think you could hit one? Do I think I could hit a home run? Yes. Uh, probably not in a in a BP setting. Okay. There so you I, go. At least you, at least you were honest with me. I was a pitcher. Come on. Okay. Okay. Uh, with that, that's gonna wrap it up for the baseball talk. And shotgun, we're gonna dive into some questions because we got a lot here at the end. You know, I put that last call out, and then everyone wants to get their question in. So we're gonna finish off strong here with some questions. Are you ready for some Helium Boys tag team questions? Tag teams back again. Let's go. All right. So we have one. First one is from Meg 16. Over under 30 touchdown passes for Caleb Williams this year. Also over under 10 touchdowns for Travis Dye. I'm assuming that's overall touchdowns and not just rushing touchdowns. So we'll go with overall touchdowns for Travis Dye. These are very lofty numbers. Um, they're, they're quite – they're attainable. Um, but that makes uh, – I got to look up some numbers real quick here. I got to oh, see what no. Travis Dye has done. He did have 16 touchdowns last year, so – That seems know, like an easy over. Seems like a one that we can go. But he didn't have – you know, he's never had more than five in a previous season when he was splitting more, more regularly. So that will play into it. But I think the offense should score enough, and I think Travis Dye will be a weapon down the red zone because of the different ways you can use him. So I think Travis Dye does get that number. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he can at least, maybe not 16 this year, uh, because Oregon did have some injuries last year. So he was mainly the guy. And this one, this year, you know, they have Austin Jones, Darren Barlow available to kind of help with that load. Um, and you don't want to run a guy too too ragged, you know, knowing you only have, you know, really three veteran scholarship running backs. But I do think 10... I think that's a really good number he can hit easily. You know, I would probably I don't be thinking easily, but maybe okay, maybe not easily, but I think that's a number that is very, very doable. And I'd be shocked if he didn't have at least ten scores by the end of the season. So I was thinking more like that thirteen range. So hmm, I, I, th- I think I think it's that's still uh, that's kind of high. I think for me, just because. You know, one of the things that that sapped his numbers, his earlier his touchdown numbers, is that they had a they had a goal line back at Oregon. They had uh, Cyrus, uh, uh, was it? I can't remember how to Habibi? pronounce it. Habibi, Habibi. That's it. I was trying to say Lil Bibi, uh, but no, Habibi. Uh, Lil Bibi. Yeah, Lil Bibi. 
but they had they had Cyrus Labibi up there, uh, and he was the guy that once they got in the five, inside the five-yard line, they were giving him the ball over and over pretty much. Whereas this year, your USC could do, use different guys in different ways, but there's not that true, you know, fullback type, you know, just a big bruising running back that they're going to, you know, hand the ball to for sure in any time they get down by the goal line. But Caleb Williams might take away a couple of those touchdowns as well, you know, running the read option down by the goal line and different things like that. So, you know, it's a, it's a very interesting – I think that one's a much more interesting question uh, in, in debate than the 30 touchdown passes for Caleb Williams. Keaton Slovis threw for 30 touchdown passes his freshman year with USC, so I'm going to say that Caleb Williams can get 30 this year. For sure. and I that, Not that that's an easy number to get to, by the way. Right, and that's passes specifically, and then we're not factoring yeah. rushing touchdowns or anything. So 30 touchdown passes, that's a lot, but I don't think that's like a crazy amount for this offense and a guy of Caleb Williams' talent level. And plus, he has tons of weapons all over the field. So, you know, I, I, I think 30 is a, is, is a very obtainable for, for C-Dub. So I'm going to take the over on both of them overall. All right, both of them. Both of them. Both of them. Give, give me both of them. Um, this one comes from Daniel Morgan. In regards to O-line recruiting, did SC swing for the fences? Recruiting Florida is hard because the talent is down locally. One offensive lineman in the top 50 in Cali or because they thought they could recover for local guys between now and December. I.e., will we suddenly see more offers or will they wait for 2024 and portal? I mean, interesting I- question. It's interesting, and I think that, you know, I think in regards to their overall recruiting kind of uh, game plan, I think that might fit more where, hey, we're going to swing for the Anthony Hills and stuff, and, hey, if we need to come back and and swing for the Tackett Curtises, we need to come back to to the Victory Johnsons or Champion Johnson, excuse me. Is it Victory or Champion? No, it's Victory. It's Victory. Which brother is it? There's two brothers. Victory. The brothers' names are Victory and Champion, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, But – you're going to come back to those local guys if you don't get those national guys. I think that was more the case just in overall regards, you know, with uh, Brandon Ennis and all these type of guys that you're going to do that. Um, I think they feel like as they continue to build those relationships with those local coaches, then they'll start be able to work those local guys a little bit more. I think that felt, felt more like the overall game plan. But offensive line, I don't think it, it was something that they particularly did just because – where are the offensive line locally? Like, who are you, who are you going after that you you feel really confident? Like that guy's going to be a dude. Um, maybe Elijah Jacket is a guy that you 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 try to get back in with a little bit more. But it's just not a great class on the West Coast this year to be able to say that hey, we just try to go national and try to get these big guys, and then we'll come back because you know there's plenty of options there. I, I think it's pretty a little bit limited on the offensive line. Whereas 2024 seems to be like it's going to be a little bit better, especially hyper locally with your your modern days and whatnot so i, I don't think it was necessarily there that i don't think we'll start seeing necessarily more offers if they were going to offer anybody they would already at least be an offer out and they might have been you know keeping someone warm a little bit uh, and now they push a little bit harder for them but i don't think you'll see more offers at least yeah i don't think you'll see more offers locally there might be a couple like random maybe a guy in texas or maybe big 10 country that might pick up an offer um but yeah i don't i would not expect a flood of offers locally in that regards. And I think in terms of the O-line recruiting, I think they did swing for the fences. I know, you know, you Lincoln Riley, you know, they they established that these are the two guys that we want the most, Francis and Lucas, and they're not going to be afraid to recruit nationally, you know, recruit out there in Florida. And they did come up a little bit short. You know, you could still play for a flip for either of those guys, Lucas more, more likely than uh, Francis at Miami. But I think it's so much easier as USC because – he mentioned it in his, his opening press conference, like local kids, you know, know what USC is about. And a lot of them want to go to USC growing up. So I think it's so much easier to backtrack isn't really the word. But like, you know, when you have your board, you have your guys on the top that you want and you have some guys that are in that next tier. And a lot of those guys in the next tier are local guys. And it's so much easier to work yourself back into the conversation with them. If you need to circle back and, you know, fill the class with some bodies because you're going to need some bodies that you can develop uh, for for next season and for beyond. And it's so much easier because they're local. You can get them up to games to home games this season so much easier. Obviously, they can come up 
every weekend to come to a game. And you can kind of work that relationship back, you know, for a guy who maybe felt like, you know, you were overlooking me a little bit uh, this spring and summer when you were off recruiting Lucas and those guys. So, you know, if you if you play for local guys, it's going to be a lot easier because you can get them on campus. You're going to win games. And to think we're 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 sort of high on USC, obviously not having a season they did last year. They're going to win some games. That's going to help. But, you know, I just think they had their board. They had these guys that they wanted up top. And, you know, I don't think it was a necessarily like they were planning to, to, to circle back for some guys. But I think that's always for any staff. You know, you, you have your backups and their backups tend to be more local for, the, for this uh, recruiting cycle in California. And I think they're just going to have to to work to to reestablish communications, get the relationship back up. But I think it's going to be easy just because you're USC and you're going to be able to get them on campus for unofficial visits uh, a lot quicker and a lot more frequently. Yeah, and there's just not a lot of high-end targets on the West mm-hmm. Coast as well. So I think those are the guys you go after first. You go after your top high-end targets, the guys you really, really want in your class, and then you, you know, you you circle back, just like you said. You know, that's what you do with any recruiting. You know, that's what you do. You know, if you're at a bar and you you're you're trying to you know pick up a pick up someone. You know, oh, no. you, you go for your top target first, right? You don't you don't just that, immediately that was, go for yeah. for the person you think is ah that's the third or fourth best looking person. I'll go for them. Uh, no, you go for the top target and then you circle back. A, a wise analogy, Shaka. A wise <laughs> analogy that is not based in any sort of reality. Since or... Ryan's not here, you right. go to the pastry table and you look and you pick you you know you pick the chocolate cake that you really want. You know you go for that first. You know you don't try to you know go for the the oatmeal raisin cookie. You know yeah. Who wants raisins in a cookie? Oatmeal that be chocolate, chocolate chip. chip. Oatmeal there we go. Chip. Now we're talking. I put them onto that. Pop bellies, let's go. Let's do it. Um, you didn't put that on me onto that. I've been eating those since I was a kid. Pop bellies? Not pop bellies, but oatmeal chocolate chip cookies. They're not the only ones, Chris. We'll, we'll, we'll settle this off air. <laughs> uh, this one comes from Shane. Is Tackett a potential candidate for the number 55? I think that's a very interesting question. Um, you know, I don't know that there's any. The Pallier and Itiote is the only person coming out of high school that I've thought mm, maybe they should look at that. But that's been the thing. The 55 has been has been given out to players um, in anticipation of them being stars rather than it being earned uh, at, at college. So I don't think Tackett Curtis is quite in that category. And, you know, if USC starts winning, maybe they'll be in the conversation for some guys there. But I wouldn't mind seeing the 55 them changing the way they do it and give it to someone who has earned it after a couple of years at USC. Yes. I, I just assumed it was always sort of a earned thing with the 55. Nope. It's always been given out to someone as they come in basically. So, you know, and become, a, become the lineage. It was given out to Keith rivers, given out to uh, Lamar Dawson and, you know, the guys before them, but you know, it, it's something that was given as guys were coming in and then unfortunately for like Lamar Dawson injuries set him back and he never became that type of player. So then people are upset that he wore the number 55. So it's an, it's an intriguing thing, but if you want to entice a guy to come across the country, you know, whether it be your Keith rivers or your Lamar Dawson type of player, then, you know, that's, that's one way that you do it. For sure. Yeah. I haven't heard the number 55 thrown out with his recruitment. I have to follow up on that, but Tackett seems like a guy who would want to earn the 55, uh, given what it means at USC. So I think he could. I, I wouldn't be shocked if, like, one day we saw him in a 55. But, yeah, I don't know if it, that's been, like, a selling point for his recruitment. Yeah, uh, I, I would doubt it. If he wore the number four on the trip, um, I think right. that that would tell you uh, as far as his, you know, his recruiting visit photos and whatnot. Uh, we have a another quick recruiting question. Is USC actively recruiting TJ Shannon? That comes from Jonathan. Um, yes. Well, it, it's interesting because uh, TJ Shannon, if you don't know, a four-star composite, three-star, 247 rated uh, interior offensive lineman from Westlake, Texas, recently put USC in his top five, which was sort of an interesting addition because – there hadn't really been much going on between those two parties. 
you know, USC's previous staff had offered TJ and then Josh Henson and Lincoln Riley had re-offered him really early when Josh Henson had officially come aboard. But then there was not much else after that because obviously he did not get on campus for any sort of unofficial visit, I don't believe, and he didn't take an official visit. And that obviously offensive line need for USC, that would have been a guy, you know, you push to get on campus. And they had multiple offensive linemen come on campus for visits. And it seems like he was the guy who was a plan B, if you will. You know, they had Amos Talalele higher on their board, Alani Noah, uh, Michael Buenelos, uh, obviously Lucas Simmons. Those guys were much higher. And I think he was sort of fell down the board in that regard. And now, you know, kind of kind of talk about our first question or our second question, sorry, about, you know, USC maybe taking circling back. I think it's the guy they're maybe circling back with. Uh, TJ recently said that USC and Oregon have been two schools that have been reaching out to him more. That was coming off his official visit to Texas A&M. So it seems like USC is now pushing to get an official visit during the season. And, you know, this is kind of what we talked about. You, you circle back to guys in that next tier lower. Obviously, he's not a local guy. But he's the guy that's in that, you know, that sort of backup plan B category. So as of right now, yes, USC is actively recruiting TJ Shannon. Shanahan. Shanahan. Yeah. Shanahan. Shanahan. Um, here we go. This one comes from Tad, another uh, recruiting question. Does USC get any more verbal commitments before the start of the season? And who, if you had to speculate? I would take a definite yes Yeah. on the first part. There's almost two months. There's definitely going to happen. Yeah, and I think I have my overall prediction being 16 by the time the season kicks off. I don't know how you feel about that number. Uh, We're at 12 right now with the class, so four commitments. Yeah, I think that's very doable. I I liked your number a lot more than Gerard's of 20. There you go. Yeah, Gerard went went all in. I I hedged it a little bit and went 16. I'm still feeling good about it. And who, if you had to speculate – you know, that's interesting. You know, there's a lot of guys that I think are going to come off the board. You know, Alani Noah is a guy that we've heard that could pop soon. Uh, Michael Buenelos is making a commitment on July 25th. You know, he was supposed to go on July tw- 4th, and he pushed that back. And I think that's a good sign for USC because Oregon was trending there. So it seems like there's a little bit of a discussion going on. So he's obviously a guy that is going to come off the board uh, confirmed July 25th. So USC in really good in really good spot to get there and pick up and uh, pick up their 13 commitment there and you know there's a guy like uh, Mateo Ugielele you know those Bosco kids they all like to commit before the sen- their senior year that's sort of how Bosco does it they push it so they don't have to focus they don't have to worry about taking visits they can kind of focus on their senior year so he is obviously a guy who could wait but I would not be shocked if he decided to follow the Bosco way and make a commitment so. There are guys out there. Deuce Robinson, you know, USC has crystal balls in for him. But I feel like he wants to slow down the process a little bit. So I would I would I would be shocked if he kind of made a commitment that early. But I could also see it, you know, if he's comfortable with it. Malachi Nelson and them are recruiting him. But I guess guys like Alani Noah, Michael Buenelos, Mateo Ugielele are guys that could pop. And then you also have guys like Braylon Shelby, who's down to Texas and USC. He's going to commit. In July, at least that's what he said, his last update. And there's also the Texas kids, you know, Warren Robinson, Roberson. He has a USC crystal ball. Uh, Trey Wilson, uh, defensive lineman out of Texas. Those are three guys that could also pop uh, going into their senior years. I think they'll also get a 2024 commitment before the season starts. Oh, okay. That's true. It just says verbal commitments. It doesn't say 2023. So I'm going to throw that out there. I'm not going to name any names, but I'm going to say it's going to happen. There you go. There you go. Uh, Here we go. We have two questions from Ryan. With NIL in place, do you know if USC would be selling jerseys without players' names on them? Also, has there been any mention of a potential for new or alternate jerseys this season? The new administration is good at keeping things under wraps. Fight on. And then any word on potential top-level baseball recruits coming on board since the new staff has begun to take shape? So we'll start with the jerseys. I don't think that Lincoln Riley wants to throw that wrench in in his right. very first year. I think that's something where if you're going to do that, 
you're going to wait a little bit and you're going to have some success and then you're going to win some people over before trying to, you know, throw over the apple cart that quickly. So yeah, USC should still be selling jerseys without players' names on them. I don't know why they would change that. That's still a moneymaker for them. Will they be somehow giving money to current players, you know, in some kind of deal? Uh, that, that would be, that would be something that would be more likely. Um, but I, I think that they're trying to figure out something to where, you know, players could get a cut in some regard there, but, um, that's not something that I've heard anything of recently. So, uh, as far as the jerseys there, I don't know what, what do you, what's your take on the Jersey situation there, Chris? I don't think that there will be jerseys on the backs, uh, just because that's like such they, a traditional they wear, thing. They will wear jerseys on their backs. Sorry, names on the names backs of their the, jerseys. Oh. Yes, I don't. I think that'd be just a such a polarizing thing to do, especially you know, as a uniform as iconic as USC's. I don't think that's something you want to mess with. Um, I think that's something you want to hold on to in a, in a day and age where you know college football is moving away from the traditional stuff, you know, with conference realignment and NIL and all that. I think that's something you kind of want to hold on to. And it's just too classic. I don't, I don't see that happening. Yeah. I don't think that they're going to be putting names in the back anytime soon, but again, that's one of those things where if you win people over and you say, Hey, we need this for recruiting because we're losing blah, blah, blah. Then maybe that's when you, you, you've already won some people over and people go, okay, if that's what it takes, that's what how it comes about, uh, but I think you got to start winning people over with some wins, win some games first before you can do any of those drastic changes. And anything on the baseball, you kind of touched on that. So top level recruits, as far as high school recruits, you know, there's no top level recruits remaining in the class that aren't committed somewhere or aren't going to sign with a you know with a MLB team or sign with a JUCO. Uh, those things get done. Baseball, your top level recruits are committing before their sophomore year of high school. That's just, you know, you'll have some guys that pop up and come out of nowhere, but you know, the 90% of your top 50, top 100 guys are committed somewhere before their sophomore year. Now, sometimes those things change based on coaching changes, all that type of stuff. But USC right now is trying to build through the transfer portal and, you know, they're a little bit behind, you know, and I haven't heard USC connected with any of the big names that are remaining in the transfer portal. A lot of that is still being determined by what's happened the last couple of days. You know, there's a, a ton of guys that entered like Matt Keating from USC that entered the transfer portal, selected a new school and said, Hey, I'm going to go to North Carolina, but he's not going to end up at North Carolina because he was drafted in the first 10 rounds. So he's going to sign with the Yankees and go straight to professional ball. There are a number of guys who, you know, committed places as a, you know, potentially as a backup plan for them that were higher in the draft. Um, so you, now you're trying to decipher once the draft kind of ends here tomorrow or after today, okay, who's left? Where do we need to go target? What positions are really of need? And one of the big ones for USC, I, I think uh, today is does Tyrese Turner get drafted? Their second baseman, you know, if he gets drafted, um, you know, uh, if he doesn't get drafted, excuse me, can USC talk him into coming back? He is in the transfer portal as well. He's a spark plug at the top of the lineup. They're losing two of those um, in, you know, in, or Rylan Thomas is coming back. But, you know, if you can get him and Tyrese together, you know, that can be that dynamic duo at the top, even without DeAndre Smith. So we'll see where, if Rylan Thomas gets picked and if Tyrese Turner, those two are, are real big names for USC fans to watch uh, today. Uh, we have a question from Anthony in L.A., which I believe was a frequent questioner for the Family Feud. So nice to see that. A question, uh, a throwback question, uh, question asker. Uh, prediction for safety. These are his predictions for the starting safety corners. If healthy, Bullock, Alford, and Max Williams at the nickel. McCushion starts opposite Blackman at the corner spot over Josh Jackson. Agree? This is... This is one we have debated back and forth as Chris and I were coming up with the final um, the final rankings after we took everybody else's rankings in our top 30. Uh, most important for 2022. Plug for that. You guys should be checking out that series. Uh, but Plug. trying to figure out who's the starting safeties, who's the starting, you know, who's the starting secondary at all is th there's basically one thing, you know, Kalen Bullock is going to be starting. And then you feel like you're confident with Max Williams, probably. And then you feel like Makai Blackman is the guy that we heard the most positive things about at the cornerback position. But 
who's at the other cornerback position? You might have three of five that you feel pretty confident in. One is for sure. Kalen Bullock is going is a superstar, and he's going to be starting somewhere at one of the safety spots, probably at free safety. After that, it's you kind of feel comfortable with two, but you don't really know. I think that it's going to be, you know, my predictions right now would be Xavier Alford along with Kalen Bullock in the back end with Max Williams. And then the the big outlier is McCutcheon. You know, so where does he end up? You know, the, I, he's the hard one to figure out. You know, he played cornerback at Oklahoma. He ended up playing everywhere this spring and ended the spring at, at safety. But now that USC has offered back and now that they have Bryson Shaw coming in from Ohio State, does he shift back to cornerback? Or USC has since picked up Jacoby Covington from Washington. Does he play cornerback? And McCutcheon stays, you know, in, in the middle of the field. Those are, you know, that's why it was such a difficult conversation with Chris and I to try to figure out how important are these guys if we don't know who's actually going to be the starters, um, which is why you'll see Kalen Bullock up higher on the list. And the rest of the guys, it's, you know, that we've seen a lot of them land in the 20s so far. Yeah, I actually kind of like that lineup that Anthony gave. I, I agree with that that safety trio of Alfred, Kalen, and Max. And as you said, McCutcheon is a guy who we thought was going to play cornerback going into spring camp. And nope, he's a he's a, he's a safety. Could he move back to safety? Absolutely. Um, so that'd be two really long cornerbacks at, with Blackman and McCutcheon on the edge. So I kind of like that, and I don't hate it. So I'm still on the Josh Jackson train, but. You, you might have swayed me a little bit for that for that lineup, Anthony. And, and I think it it would be we when we were discussing the top thirty initially, this was prior to Zion Branch going down with an injury. Um, so I, I think I, I believe it was, but that adds another thing in. We think he's probably done for the year. We haven't got confirmation that it's torn ACL, but that's what everything that we've heard um, that it was an ACL injury and the severity of it at the time when we reported on it that it was serious and that he was you know still hadn't got the final MRI um, results back at that time, but that he was going to be out for a long time, probably going to be season ending um, there. But he's a guy that probably could have come in and would have been in that mix as well so i think that adds another wrinkle and that that added to the importance of some of these safety guys is because it gets a little bit thinner there without zion branch being available too uh one of our final questions we have two left uh comes from maskless patriot as far as the recruiting process who recruited tactics curtis from a high school i've never heard of his highlights are amazing and i can't wait to see him perform for usc i heard his team maney will be playing the high school Arch Manning attends. Uh, that would be Brian Odom. He was the lead recruiter. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I had never heard of Maney before this, and there are plenty of high schools I have never heard of coming into. <laughs> yeah, and I've been covering recruiting for close to six years. So I just I just find the question funny. It's like, this guy's heard of every high school in the country except for this one. But, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of high schools that, you know, every cycle I'm like – I don't know where this high school is, but they're recruiting this kid out there. I got to learn about this high school. And yes, Manny will be playing Arch Manning's Newman team uh, this uh, September or October. Uh, one of those two. It's one of their Se- uh, September 23rd. September 23rd. Shaka, we might have to send you down for that game. In in Louisiana, I believe it is. So it's at least an away game for listed on the Newman website. So, yeah, this should be really interesting. And, you know, th- there's been a lot of discussion about Arch Manning. And I think that one, I don't know how good Maney is as a as a program, as a team overall. But you know, when you're going up against another really highly talented player, then that usually brings out the best in these players. But also is an opportunity for us to see, you know, how they interact and how they play against other players. Which is why you love seeing these guys in the seven on and all these different circuits. Because even though it's not full pad football, you get those one on one matchups. You get those individual, you know, back and forth competition. Um, elements to be able to help with determining the rankings and stuff like that, which is why it's been disappointing not to see Arch Manning uh, participate in any of this type of stuff. Uh, Manny won the state cha- championship in 2020 and they were runner up last year. So they got a good program. They got a good team. So that will be a fun matchup. And my suggestion is do not send Arch on any runs with Tackett back there roaming. <laughs> That's <laughs> would, my suggestion. Would be interesting if uh, Tackett 
Curtis helps out Malachi Nelson uh, to advance higher in the rankings. You know, not necessarily by hurting him necessarily, right. but by uh, making him have by, a bad game. Pick him up. A couple have, times. have a couple picks there. Pick six. Have a Cam Smith versus Utah type performance. And Tackett plays a little quarterback, so it'll be almost like a Tackett Curtis versus Arch Manning at offense, <laughs> so which should be fun. Um, and we're gonna end on one final fun question. Uh, Giovanni sent me three. Uh, out-of-the-box questions, uh, I'm going to pick option C. If you had to make a starting five basketball team made up of USC offensive linemen or defensive linemen, who would they be? Oh, Brandon Peely's got to be in there somewhere. Because that guy can dunk. I would go Peely, too. I think i got to get Bobby Haskins on there, six foot seven, mean mm-hmm. SOB. I think, I gotta, I think he's got to be on my team. Uh, I know Mason Murphy, you know, I think he's got some basketball background um, at one point. Um, You know, he hadn't played uh, football for actually that long. Uh, He's only been playing football for a few years because I think he was a basketball player growing up more. So I think he's in the mix there. Does Corey Foreman count? I don't know if he can. I don't know if he can ball or not, but, you know, if we're counting him as an edge guy, you know, that athleticism, uh, you know, I got to have that. Yeah, I think my I don't think I'm going with Corey. I think I'm going Thule just for screens, like strictly <laughs> for screens. That enforcer kind of guy. He can get some rebounds. I'm not asking him to score. He's just the, he's just the bulldog in the paint, you know. If that's what works for you, you know. I don't know. Um, I I don't know if any of these offensive linemen or defensive linemen have a shot, you know. So is it just going to be bully ball down low the whole time? Uh, Cortland Ford, I would say six four, six five. I, I think he would be or. Is he even taller than that? I can't remember off the top of my head. But he's six six. Know, six six. So he might be in the mix with with Haskins, you know, just for the size element at, to begin with. So I, I, off the top of my head, I'm not thinking anybody else that just goes, yeah, that guy, that guy's definitely got to be out there. There's no Drake Jacksons where you go that he's just good enough athlete. He'll at least, he'll find a way at least to get to the get to the basket. Uh, I'm going with Nick Figueroa as like my shooter. I think he's he's got. I, I feel like he's just a hooper. I haven't seen any of these guys shoot, so I'm not going to trust that any of them are good shooters. And then uh, Justin Dietrich is my point guard. <laughs> okay. That, that's it. Just just bowling in there. That, that, that's As my he's team. pulling the truck, he pulls the truck up to right. to the to the gym, and then he becomes your point guard. Gotcha. That, that's my squad, and I'm rolling with it. Rec League, rec league champions. <laughs> and that wraps up all our questions. Shotgun... Thank you so much for coming on, giving a little throwback. Helium Boys for Life, a Helium Boys podcast. I appreciate it so much. And hopefully, you know, we see a little bit more of each other because we haven't done television in a while or we hadn't. So I hope those are a little bit more consistent. Hoping to hear a Heard It podcast from you soon. And I will be getting you on the Two Star podcast at some point uh, this year. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Well, Chris, I appreciate you having me on and for us being able to kick the boss out. I'll look forward to it. Now I got to jump over to, to do some MLB draft coverage and see uh, see if those USC guys get drafted here early in the in the in the day three or if, uh, if they make it through without getting drafted. And that might lend to, to USC maybe getting one or two of them back. As always, Shotgun has got to go run from one event to go cover something else. That's in classic shoddy fashion. So thank you for coming on. Uh, thank you for listening to everyone. Thank you to Trader Joe's uh, for sponsoring this podcast. I am Chris. That is Shotgun. And we will catch you next time on the Parasol Podcast. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Law. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.